It's been a privilege to be with you the last five weeks uh, to uh, get into these chapters in Romans for myself once again. I've always loved Romans and it's been some time actually since I spent some time in in the book and um, I think it's true that uh, the person who prepares for a sermon always uh, gets more out of it than anybody else and I've I've really... um, really found it very challenging as well as very encouraging to get into these chapters and then to know that um, that you're uh, being challenged and encouraged as well just uh, adds blessing upon blessing so um, it's been great to be here. Uh, we come to the, the last chapter, chapter 16 and uh, just let me reflect that this might be um, getting rather tiresome for those of you who have been here for each of the five messages but let's reflect again on what the chapters have been saying chapters 12 through 15 started off by uh, Paul saying look in view of God's mercy everything we do uh, is because we are responding to God's mercy God has been so merciful and continues to be so merciful in our lives uh, we can't help but respond to that mercy in living lives that are in accordance to what he's been saying here and so that's why Paul starts off in chapter 12 verse 1 he says therefore I urge you in the view of God's mercy too and then he goes on uh, we've followed a theme through these chapters there are many themes through the chapters but the one that I've chosen to, to follow perhaps more than any other is uh, that we are individuals in community uh, one of the reasons I've been stressing that is that I, I think the pendulum swings from time to time and, uh, and, and in our own society probably the pendulum is swinging in, uh, t- towards an individualism but the correction to that is not too far towards an uh, uh, emphasis on community where we lose the sense of being individuals. And I think that Paul is stressing that through these chapters that we are individuals Uh, in community, that we do have responsibilities towards ourselves and we also uh, then have responsibilities towards one another. We are in community and we can't just live for ourselves, we live for others. Uh, We've also followed a theme that the the, the fact that we belong to another kingdom, that we belong to God's kingdom, doesn't mean that we're exempt from the responsibilities of living out our everyday lives uh, within this kingdom, within this world. And so all of what uh, Paul has been saying, all of the identity that we have, all that we are in Christ is to be lived out in the realities of this world. And that has political ramifications. We saw that in, in one of the chapters. And overall it means that it's a call to live responsibly. It's a call to live uh, a life of love for one another. And that sort of love will include accepting one another even when we believe differently and even when we behave differently um, and and, and think different things about our lives. It will include an acceptance or a tolerance and non-vilification we saw in chapter 14. And uh, and then last week we we, uh, followed that theme through about being called to belong to an inclusive community. And so Paul now finally wraps it up. Um, I, I think uh, some commentators say that he's trying to wrap this letter up at least four times <laughs> in some of these chapters and he sort of thinks, oh, I've got something else to say. I mean, it's just been a, a magnificent letter that he has written to uh, the church in Rome and he finally wraps it up in chapter 16 uh, with some personal greetings and I'm so glad I didn't have to read that chapter today. <laughs> you, you, you just did an astounding job of that. You really did. I, I was very appreciative but um, I was in, in fear and trembling Garth was going to say David read your own readings. So, 
So thank you for reading that. Um, but uh, he, uh, he, he wraps it up with these personal greetings and then some, uh, some reminders about purity of doctrine, how we need to be those who, uh, who believe the right things and live the right things. And as I've looked at this chapter, I've, I've been able to summarise it under three headings, that we are called as God's people, um, the, the early church has been called to be a community. It's a community of individuals, so there's that theme again. It's a community of relationships as we relate to one another and it's a community of truth. And so it's around those three themes that I want to wrap this series up. I'd like to have a look at each of those uh, as they come up in this chapter. So first of all, um, that, that theme that we've been following, we are a community of individuals. Now Paul seems to be stressing this reality throughout the last few chapters and, and here in this chapter he illustrates the value of individual people by naming them. Uh, it's something very precious, isn't it, to have your name remembered by somebody and to be, uh, to be, to be named in that sort of way. I, I think uh, stresses or illustrates the value of the individual being named. He names them, he commends some, and, uh, and, and he asks that others will be greeted. Uh, there are some with him who are sending greetings to the church in Rome and there are some in the church of Rome that Paul is saying, please greet these uh, people for me and so it's a flow by both ways and the value of individual people is illustrated in that. There are 36 people named throughout this, uh, throughout this chapter and then there's a whole lot of unnamed people as well because there's the, and the saints that gather with them or the church that meets in your home and so forth. So there's a whole lot of people who aren't mentioned by name but there's 36 names as we go through this chapter. Uh, some of the people that he mentions were, were uh, travelling to Rome and, and Paul is saying please uh, receive these brothers and sisters. Uh, they were perhaps carrying the letter that uh, Paul was writing here and they were going to carry it to the church at Rome. Other people that he's mentioning here are people who are living in Rome already. Some of them Paul knew, some of them were related to him, others perhaps he'd only heard of. One of the things that strikes me as we go through the chapter is that these individuals who are being named and valued were very different from each other. Uh, there were men and women, for instance, so it's across genders. There was Aquila and, and Andronicus and Urbanus who were males and then there was uh, Phoebe and Priscilla and Mary who were females and, and, uh, and, and there doesn't seem to be any sort of um, oh, the men of the church oh, and also the women of the church, nothing like that. Uh, both are elevated to a position of value uh, and of equality with each other. So there's men and women who are valued uh, within this community of faith that is mentioned here in chapter 16. Uh, there's Gentiles and there's Jews. Now we've been following that theme throughout that we're, this is an inclusive church. Paul sees himself as the apostle to the Gentiles and he's, he's really writing to help them to discover their place in the community of faith. And uh, in, this, in this church there's Gentiles and there's Jews. So it's across races. Uh, we see too that there's, there's both younger and older people there. So it's across generations. For instance, there's Rufus and his mum. Did you notice that? Uh, greet Rufus and his mother who has been a mother to me also. So it's across generations. Uh, we also see in these names here in this chapter that it's a socially diverse community of faith. It's across what would normally be social barriers. 
Uh, there's business people there, Aquila and Priscilla were, were, were business people who became leaders in the church. They pop up at uh, various occasions uh, through Acts, for instance. Uh, there's ex-prisoners in the community of faith. Did you notice that? that people who were in prison uh, with Paul. And so there were ex-prisoners there. Uh, there, were, um, there were public servants, Erastus, who was the director of public works. Now, this is not all in Rome. I'm talking about the community of faith, both where Paul was writing from and where Paul is writing to. Uh, Erastus is a director of public works. And, uh, and then there's Rufus's mum, who is uh, perhaps um, uh, her business is raising a family. And so you, you can see that uh, right across the board there's an equality, equality of gender, equality of race, equality of generation and equality of uh, uh, social status. And this is, this is what we're called to. We're called to that level of inclusiveness in the community of faith. It's also interesting to notice uh, that uh, relatives of Paul come up a few times in this chapter a couple of them, um, he, he says, they were in Christ before me. And so Paul had some family members who were in Christ uh, before him and others perhaps have come to know uh, Christ through the ministry of Paul. But it's interesting to note that six of his relatives are named throughout these chapters. So, so this, this first uh, theme of this chapter, that we are called to be a community of faith, which is a community of individuals it comes out with all the names that are mentioned valued very diverse people but they're valued and seen as equal they all get the same greeting they all get the same commendation uh, Paul is talking to a community of individuals but secondly uh, it's also a community of relationships they're not called just to be individuals it's not an individualism that is being presented here uh, but they are in relationship with one another. There's no room for individualism in the family of God. We're individuals, but we're in community. And we have responsibilities to live for the good of others in these communities. I think that in this chapter there are at least three relational contexts that are alluded to or mentioned specifically. The first one is their relationship with Christ. If you go back to the beginning of the letter, in chapter 1, verse 6, the letter is addressed to those, plural, who are in Christ. Uh, Paul does this, I think, in, in every letter he writes. He gives this spiritual address as being very important. The people he is writing to are in Christ. Now, that, that's extremely important to Paul because therein lies their identity, therein lies their salvation, <coughs> therein lies their steadfastness. Now, this is their, their spiritual address. This is the thing they can hold on to. This is the thing that Paul has been pushing all around the world as he goes around. This is very important stuff. They are in Christ. And so it's a community of relationships. And first of all, they have this relationship with Christ, their spiritual address. In chapter 16, the address in Christ or in the Lord comes up nine different times and so it's obviously an important relational address or relational identity that Paul is pushing here this, uh, this relational reality uh, that we are in Christ that we have a relationship with God because of Christ 
uh, later on in, the, in this uh, chapter in verse 20, he seems to be saying that this relational uh, reality that we have, this relationship with Christ, is essential in our spiritual battle with evil. Uh, Satan will be squashed under your feet, he says. So there's a spiritual battle going on. The community of faith needs to be aware of that, but not scared of it because in Christ you're okay. In Christ you're protected spiritually. And that's what he seems to be saying there in verse 20. <clears throat> and then in that wonderful doxology at the end, in our desire to bring glory to God, um, Christ <clears throat> is certainly uh, predominant there. So that's the, that's the first relational context, if you like. Um, we're individuals, uh, but we're supposed to be in, we're called to be in relationship. And the first relationship is in Christ. The second relationship that is alluded to throughout this chapter is the relationship to the city that they're in, their relationship with Rome, the capital city of the world. In chapter 1 verse 7 we go back again to where Paul is addressing the letter and he addresses them not only to those who are in Christ but he addresses them to those who are in Rome. Now this is very important. Now, the, the, the spiritual community the community of faith that we are in Christ has a, spirit, has a physical address. So we're not just a spiritual community. We're a spiritual, a spiritual community who is grounded and rooted in the realities of the world in which we live. <clears throat> the spiritual community has a physical address where all of the teaching of this letter is to be lived out. There are others who would say, no, the spiritual realities are what, what it's really all about. Everything else is just imagination or everything else is at least unimportant or, or everything else is, is an illusion and we don't want to take care of it and, and we, we come to enlightenment when we recognise that everything else is just an illusion and that it's really the spirituality that is all important. Christianity is not like that. Paul is not saying that. Paul is saying you are a spiritual community and your spirituality is really, really important but it's got to be lived out in the realities of the everyday. Yeah. You live in Rome, he's saying to them. And so in, uh, in, in chapter 16, all of these people who are being mentioned are real people. <laughs> real people with jobs that they've got to go to. Real people with houses that they've got to pay and mortgages to, to, to pay off. Uh, real people with taxes to pay the, the, the Roman taxes uh, real people with next door neighbours and real people who have to do shopping in the afternoon and so on and so forth the, these, these are real people this is not just a spiritual community sort of out there this is stuff the realities of the world they're everyday people with lives to live in the city where they are to live with renewed minds see it's a both end Paul says be transformed by the renewing of your mind as you live in Rome, <laughs> as you live it out in the everyday of having next door neighbours and having to pay your taxes and having to, to, to maintain your houses and go to your jobs and, and so forth with a renewed mind. That's where the realities of everything that he said across these 16 chapters needs to be lived out. It's interesting as I was reflecting on this I reflected on, on Peter's words in uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 you know, where he says you're aliens in the world you're, you're, you're people who don't belong but then he quickly goes on 
and he talks about but you're in here, you're in the world and you have responsibilities and he talks about responsibilities to government and responsibilities of slaves and masters and so the workplace. So government and workplace, very similar to what Paul is saying. Peter is saying you're, you're aliens in the world but, but you're living in the world and you have a responsibility to live these things out in, in, as far as politics is concerned, as far as the workplace is concerned. In other verses he talks about marriage and family. So all these things, it's realities that need to be lived out in the everyday. It's very similar to what Jeremiah was saying in the Old Testament when he wrote that chapter 20, what we know as chapter 29, the letter to the exiles. Remember the exiles had been carted off to Babylon and now they were living not in Jerusalem but in the most secularised city in the world. And, and the, the false prophets were saying, don't unpack your bags, you know, you're not, you don't, don't get involved. And Jeremiah wrote the letter to the exiles and said, no, 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 get involved. You're going to be there for a long time. Get involved. Settle down. Build your houses. Plant your veggie gardens. In other words, start up a business. Get involved in the city in which you live as God's people. Well, this is what Paul is saying right across this letter. These are the realities that they are to live out. And so relationship with Christ, yes, essential. But relationship with Rome, yes, because that's where your relationship with Christ has to make a difference. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, the, the, the third relational context is with one another. We have a relationship with one another. And Paul uses such phrases as give her the help that she needs to illustrate the sort of relationship that we're to have with one another. Uh, he constantly uses the word greet, and in, in, in the Greek, this is much more than a saying g'day. <laughs> It's, it's, it's a relational term that literally means um, draw to myself, draw to oneself. It's, it's relational. It's, it's more, more intimate than just, oh, say good day to you know, Andronicus when you see him. Draw him to yourself. In other words, there's, there's this sense of belonging that is a part of the, of the greeting that Paul is asking to be carried on. Uh, he says, uh, greet each other with a holy kiss. The, the, the idea of it being holy is that there's nothing tainted about it. And, and, and the kiss, of course, was a, was a sign of, of family affection. And so uh, we're, we're saying, the Living Bible translators translates it as uh, give each other a hearty handshake. Uh, the idea is use, use, use the greeting that is within your culture that is appropriate to express you belong. You belong. You belong to the family. Different cultures will have different expressions of that. To them it was the holy kiss. And so he's saying use this amongst you because we want to express this inclusiveness and this sense of you belong. It's interesting to note as we go through this chapter that this relationship with one another is not limited to the local church. It's not limited to uh, the people in Rome who are reading this letter. Paul extends it beyond that to fellow believers around the world and it seems to flow both ways. The, 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 the greetings are flowing both ways and the commendations are there. And so uh, the, the extension is beyond just the holy huddle idea of a local church. But it's all around the world there is this community of faith and we have responsibility to one another. 
It also moves beyond person to person as it calls for a meeting together when the house church is mentioned in verse 5 um, at, uh, that Aquila and Priscilla are leading. And so he says, uh, greet those who, who meet in their house uh, for, for uh, the community of faith. Calls to mind the instructions in Hebrews, don't neglect the meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but instead to consider how you can spur one another on towards love and good deeds and, and, and encourage one another and even more as the day draws near. And so the instruction to not just have these wonderful person-to-person relationships but to actually have a community of faith uh, like what we've got here this morning where we can experience this quality of relationship. So it's a, it, it's a community of individuals that Paul is talking to where everybody is valued. It's a community of relationships where we're relating to one another and not just to one another but beyond our boundaries as well. And thirdly and lastly it's a community of truth. A community of truth. It's a community that treasures what is right. Treasures truth. Uh, Paul, uh, towards the end, he he says, uh, watch out for and keep away from people who want to divide the church and people who want to obstruct the journey that you're on. Watch out for them and keep away from them. People who want to divide the church, well, that's anti-relational, isn't it? They want to split you down the middle. They want to get conflict going in the church between you and they want to divide the church because of it. And people who want to obstruct the journey you're on. He, he's saying to these, to the church, he, you're on a great journey. Garth has uh, pointed it out in, in this morning's um, uh, bulletin uh, that the, the journey, their obedience to the Lord is known everywhere and he brings the challenge to us. Wouldn't that be great for us to be known as an obedient people, obedient to God's word? And, and I agree with what he's written there. But, but that's, that's the journey they're on, the, the, the journey that the community of faith is on. It's a good journey. People are talking about you guys everywhere. That you're, All you want to do is be obedient to the truth. That's, that's fantastic, he says. Uh, but be careful because there are people going around who want to stop that journey, who want to obstruct you on that journey, who want to divide you and split you and cause the relationships to falter. He's basically saying that would be a great pity. People teaching what is contrary to what you have learned are the people you've got to watch out for. What have they learned? Well, we go back to the 16 chapters of Romans, especially those first 11 chapters, where Paul <coughs> is reminding them of the doctrines uh, that they believe. And essentially, it's a doctrine of faith, isn't it? The doctrine of you are saved by faith. Don't let anybody add anything to the requirements other than faith in Jesus. <clears throat> that's, that's the nutshell, if you like, of what Paul has been saying. That's what he's been teaching them. And so there are those who are going around who are trying to add things to the faith to say that you're really saved when you have, mm, yeah, okay, we well have Christ, but you add this bit on. There were two, two great, um, or two, two, two very big Uh, attacks on the church in these days. The first was from a group called the Judaizers. The Judaizers were saying 
Christ is good and you've got to add the Jewish obedience to the Jewish laws. You've got to add circumcision and dietary laws and so forth. And Paul has been saying, no, we don't have to add that. It is faith in Christ. The Judaizers were a threat to the unity of the church. The, the other big threat to the, to the church in false teaching was Gnosticism. Gnosticism was, was basically the idea of gnosis, knowledge, uh, that if you, if, you, if you have the knowledge that we have, you'll be the truly initiated. Uh, you, you're doing really well, but we've got something that we can give you that's extra that will cause you to be doing even better. And true salvation is found in Jesus plus the knowledge that we have, the gnosis that we have. The Judaizers, true salvation is found in Jesus plus obedience to the Jewish laws. The Gnostics, true salvation is found in Jesus, that's okay, but adding the knowledge that we have. Paul says, watch out for them. Watch out for them. Because that's contrary to what I've been teaching you in all these um, chapters as we've got them in, in this letter that I'm sending to you. He's saying watch out for them because they're self-serving. Watch out for them because they come to you with smooth talk and flattery. Watch out because they're especially attractive to naive people and naive people probably means those who are lacking discernment. Literally it it means um, they distrust no one. (laughs) And sometimes I suppose that might be a good thing but in this context the naivety is that they're, they're trusting people they should be actually distrusting. And you've got to be wise, he says. You've got to be discerning to know. And these people will come in and they will, with their smooth talk and their flattery and their additions to the gospel of faith, will convince people who are not discerning enough. And so he's saying, you have a way to be discerning, <laughs> Now you've read this letter because this is the truth. This is the truth. He says the answer is to be wise about what is good and I think that is inclusive of the idea of what is true. So as we wrap it up, what's the application? Well, everything that Paul has talked about in this letter is to be applied in the context of community. That's what it's all about. Every one of you Every one of you sitting here today is important. Every one of you is equal. Every one of you is valued equally. Diversity, difference is good. There's no doubt about that, Paul says. We're also called, as a church, as a community of faith in the 21st century in Melbourne, we're called to a relational faith. But not only to one another in our local churches, This relational faith means that we have responsibility to the community but not just to one another in the local church but we're called to have that relationship across local churches, across denominations, across the world with the church in all of its expressions. We are to be in relationship because we're in Christ. We're called to live the realities of our faith deeply immersed in the society in which we live We're called to live the realities of our faith in Melbourne, deeply immersed in the life of Melbourne as we go about our daily, everyday lives.
That's where these things make sense. But at the same time, we're called to think differently. To think differently. We go into <coughs> our workplaces and our neighbourhoods in, in, in the city of Melbourne, uh, metropolitan Melbourne, immersed in it, enjoying life, but thinking differently. That's what he's calling us to. And in that we're called to be committed to the truth. In chapter 14 we talked about tolerance and non-vilification as being very important. Paul is here putting a corrective on that. He's basically saying, but not when it comes to any teaching that adds any necessity to faith in Christ for salvation. Whatever you do, don't be tolerant of that because that's not the truth. Truth is all important. Tolerance, non-vilification, very important when we come to the sort of issues that he was talking about in chapter 14. But whatever you do, don't tolerate any false teaching that will add in any way a requirement to faith in Jesus. So let me give the or leave the last words with Paul where he simply says now to him who is able to establish you I think what he's saying now to him who is able to make real all of the things that he's been talking about in these 16 chapters it is God's work amongst you and so as he draws this brilliant letter to a close he says now to him who is able to make it happen (laughs) who is able to make it happen to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ Amen Father God we are so grateful uh, for this wonderful book thank you for preserving it for us we're so grateful to a man like Paul whose brilliant mind has been uh, put to so many issues and presented so many wonderful truths and sought to apply them Please help us now as we apply it, as we go home this afternoon into our families and neighbourhoods and tomorrow into our workplaces. Uh, Please help us to apply these things to the realities of the everyday, we would pray. And we give you thanks for that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen.